do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet, and it is a light unto our path. And as we celebrate today for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, let our hearts, Father, hear the word. Let our minds be renewed. And most of all, let our lives reflect fruit that we not only know him, but Father, we can lead others into knowing him as well. And so we thank you for this great day that you've set before us. We thank you for the word. We thank you for your people. And we thank you for your spirit that's going to teach each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today, as Christians, we're celebrating the greatest event to impact mankind in a spiritual and eternal way. This event has left an indelible mark in history, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and who is our personal Lord and Savior. Can you give Jesus Christ a hand this morning, if you would? (laughs) Hallelujah. Because of his significant sacrifice, he made it through his obedience when he died. And I want to share today briefly on the greatest sacrifice. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the greatest sacrifice. And I want you to find two verses of scripture. The the first one is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16. And then I want you to find 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21. That was Genesis chapter 2, verses 16. And then I want you to find 1 Corinthians 15, 21. And then if you have a second ribbon in your Bible or third one, find Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Our screen will have those up as well. So that was Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21. And then Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And today's message is the greatest sacrifice. And I want you to just write down briefly what the definition of sacrifice is. And here's what it means. It means to release something of value to gain something that is of greater value. When you sacrifice something, what you're doing is you're sacrificing something that is valuable to you. But you're sacrificing it to actually experience or gain something that is of more value after you've made the sacrifice. And so I want to start in the book of Genesis because we're going to first look at what happened for a great sacrifice to have taken place or needed to take place. We're going to see what happened. And then we're going to see what happened after the sacrifice has had been made. And so here's the first point that we're going to write down on today's lesson. It is Adam's sacrifice caused disconnection. 
Adam's sacrifice caused disconnection. Many of us know the story of creation that God made two people. He made Adam and he made Eve. And when he made those two people, the scripture says in Genesis 1:26 that he made them in his image. And in the image of God created he them, male and female is how he created them. But here's the problem. Adam, he sacrificed, but his sacrifice caused disconnection. In other words, he decided to value disobedience over obedience. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, we're going to see a commandment that God made to Adam. It says in verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, read it with me, you shall surely die. So God made Adam. He gave him a commandment. He didn't give him a suggestion. He gave him a commandment. He says, listen, Adam, out of all the trees that are in the garden, you can eat of all of them. But this one particular tree I don't want you to eat from. And he says, now, just in case you do think about eating it, let me tell you what's going to happen. He says, the day that you eat it, you're going to die. And so now, if you pick the story up in chapter 3, in verse 1, it talks about the serpent. And in verse 1, he talked to uh, Eve. And in verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And then the serpent said, you will not surely die, verse 5. For God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God's, knowing good from evil. And the woman saw the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes. And if you keep reading in verse 7, she ate the fruit. So they both ate it, which means that they disobeyed God, which means that he told them what was going to happen, that the day they ate it, they were going to die. It's just like if we were going through a drive through and God said, as, let's say we were Adam and Eve, and it was in 2012, and we're going through the McDonald's line, and he says, don't order a number four. You can have a number one, a number two, a number three, a number five, and number seven, but don't eat number four. If you eat number four, you're going to get a million calories. I mean, you're going to die. That's not what it says, but I'm just kind of catching you up to today. Well, they decided to eat it anyway. They ate the fruit. Well, what day did God say they were going to die after they ate it? That day. Now, if you pick the story up, go to, go to, uh, go to 1 Corinthians 15. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. I told you to go there. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's see what happened after they ate the fruit. In chapter 15, verses 21 and 22, this is what it says. For since by man came death... By man came also the resurrection of the dead. Watch this now. This is very important. For as in Adam, how many died? How many? It says in Adam all died. Even so in Christ now shall all be what? Made alive. Now Romans 5, 17, if you're not there, I'm just going to read it. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life in one Jesus Christ. Listen to this. 
Therefore, as by the offense or the sin of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men. Watch this verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. In other words, Adam made a decision and his sacrifice to not obey and, and he, he disobeyed, that sacrificial act of disobeying caused a domino effect in mankind. And this is what happens. Remember now, he was created in God's image. So if he was supposed to die, we'll see here in just a second, in Genesis chapter 5, Adam actually lived 800 and something years. So it could not just been a physical death. He lost his connection spiritually with God. And that's why when God talked to him during the cool of the day and he says, Adam, where are you? He wasn't physically looking for Adam. He knew Adam was in the garden. He knew Adam uh, exactly where he was. What he needed from Adam, he was calling Adam spiritually and Adam was spiritually disconnected. And because and the reason why he was disconnected is because he sacrificed obedience for disobedience because sacrifice is going to cost someone something sacrifice is not free uh about two weeks ago my wife and i we uh received some tickets to go to the oprah winfrey show to be in the studio audience okay let me tell you how it worked my wife does blogs and so she writes inspirational stuff and uh so she has a blogger follower who follows her, and she got inspired by my wife's blogging. And, uh, and so this lady had been trying to get on the Oprah show in the audience for 10 years, and for 10 years got straight no's. Because getting a ticket in the Oprah show audience is like winning the lotto. Because the tickets are free, but millions of people are trying to get in there. And so after 10 years, she didn't do it. Then finally, she won two tickets. And guess who just happened to be the guest on the show of the ticket she won? Bishop T.D. Jakes. And then the lady texts my wife, no, uh, emails my wife and says, hey, I won these tickets. Took me 10 years to get them. But God told me to give them to you. And I was thinking, this lady is crazy. I'm waiting 10 years to get some tickets. And then the Lord tells me to give my tickets away. And, I get, you know, and I understand the Lord tell you to do something. But I, I really was curious of what's happening. So she told my wife, I wanted to give these tickets to you. And I said, okay, why don't you just go with her, babe? Because guess what? The show was located in St. Louis. Okay. So here's the first sacrifice that girl made. She made a sacrifice to give some tickets up that took her 10 years to get. But then we discovered on our way to St. Louis, she made another sacrifice. And here's the second sacrifice. She took a bus from Texas all the way to St. Louis, and it took her 21 hours to get there. That's what I said. <laughs> now, here's what really makes it bad. On her way through Kansas City on the bus, the bus driver decides he don't want to drive the bus no more. <laughs> exactly. So I have given my tickets because the Lord told me to. Then I get on a bus to go get the tickets because they will not release the tickets to no one unless they're in your name and you have to show ID. 
So she had to go to St. Louis to give the tickets, right? So on her way, the bus driver decides he wants to quit. I'm glad he was not an airplane pilot. You quit? No, you're not quitting, buddy. You're going back in the co- pop cockpit. We're going to fight if you're going to try to quit. You land this plane and then you can quit. Well, the bus driver quit. They had to get another bus driver to get up there. So she gets to St. Louis. She doesn't have any family in St. Louis. So she's in line getting her Oprah ticket. She meets a lady who's going to be in the show or audience as well. And she asks the lady, could she stay with her? Sacrifice number three. So while I'm uh, on that Sunday, the, the, the show was at Monday. On that Sunday, I text someone that's very close to Bishop Jakes. And I just text him and say, hey, I know you're going to be there on Monday. Uh, we'll be there. Hope to see you, blah, blah, blah. So he texts me back and says, hey, hope to see you there too. So on the plane, while we're flying, now the phones are off. At least they're supposed to be. So mine goes into voicemail. He calls me and says, Pastor Connor, I have two tickets, four rows from the stage, right in the middle of the studio artist, and you and your wife will be sitting next to Bishop Jake's kids. Would you like those tickets instead? Well, how many know I said yes? Okay, but watch this though. Because she made a sacrifice. A sacrifice given is never unnoticed by God. So we call her up and say, hey, guess what? We got some tickets. You can use your ticket now. To come to the show and give the other ticket to someone that can come as well. She said, I can't come. Why? I don't have any clothes. I said, oh, no, you coming. You coming to the Oprah Winfrey show. So we pulled some money out and gave it to her and said, go shopping. Because you're going. Because Bishop Jakes was teaching that, morning, that day on how to discover your purpose. So how many agree that she made a sacrifice? How many agree that she made more than one sacrifice? But how many know that the sacrifice that Jesus made was way greater than her sacrifice? Now go to Genesis chapter 5. Let me show you something. That when Adam decided to sacrifice obedience for disobedience when he did that it cost the human race everything think of some dominoes have you ever played dominoes and you stack them all up and then you push one down and they all fell down that's what happened when adam decided to sacrifice his obedience for disobedience he knocked over the domino effect of mankind and let me show you you can only produce after your kind now that means that if, uh, if Adam spiritually was disconnected to God, that means everybody born after him is going to be born spiritually disconnected from God. And we'll see this in Genesis 5. Look in verse 1. This is the book of the generation of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Verse 2. Male and female created he them. And he blessed them. And he called their name Adam. In the day when they were created, verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and he had a son. Watch now the description. His son in his own what? Likeness and after whose image? There's a change. Adam was born in the image of God. Now here, Adam has a kid, but that kid is made in the image of Adam. You know why? 
Because when Adam sacrificed his obedience to become disobedient, everybody after that now is born automatically the way Adam was. And that's why a person has to get born again because when you were born the first time, you were born spiritually disconnected from God. Basically, when you were born naturally, you were born on AM. When you get saved and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, God takes you out of darkness and puts you in the light. He takes you from AM frequency and he puts you over into FM. And we have a lot of people on AM and they don't know it. Because they think their good works is what gets them in. But they were born that way. And if good works could get us out, there would be no need for Jesus Christ to die for us. Are you with me? All right. So let's now go to John chapter 3. Go to John chapter 3. Because Jesus' sacrifice caused reconnection. Now remember, Adam's disobedience or his sacrifice caused disconnection. Jesus' sacrifice now is going to cause a reconnection. And in John chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. John 3, verse 1, and I'm going to read 1 through 4 here. See how far we can get. John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came by Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God. For no man can do these miracles except God be with him. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born how, class? Born how? Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? What kind of birth was Nicodemus talking about? He was talking about the natural birth. Verse 5. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of what? Water. And of what? The Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, most people, when they read that, they think that it's talking about water baptism. It's not talking about water baptism because if you read the context, which we're going to keep doing, we're going to see that water here represents the flesh birth. Look now in the next verse. That which is born of the what? Flesh is the flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. So Jesus was saying, first you got to be born in the natural, but then after you're born in the natural, you need to be now reborn of the Spirit. And when you're reborn of the Spirit, that, 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 when that takes place, if you keep reading now, he says in verse 8, the wind blows where it should, and you hear it, and you, in verse uh, Keep verse saying, it says, but cannot hear or tell where it comes from. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. So he tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, hey, you have to be born again of the spirit. And here's the thing. Write down Romans chapter five, verses one. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace. Do you know when you got saved, when you received Christ, you actually... Get peace with God. Listen, God's not mad at nobody. People just think he is. See, most of us grew up and we thought God was this bad guy standing up there with a billy, a bat in his hand, waiting for you to just mess up. How many used to think that? Let me see your hand. Yeah. And so really, once we accepted Christ, peace with God came. Now, 
Write this down as a take-home statement. Because we were born without or born naturally, we now must be reborn from within. So being born again is a necessity because let me tell you what it does. It connects you back to God. And when you get connected back to God, God can talk to you now and you can hear him. Let me tell you why that's important. Because if you want to know your purpose in life, the best thing to do is to get connected. Now, now watch this now. Go to Mark chapter 15. No, no go to Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. And then I'm going to give you another example here. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me show you what happened. In the Old Testament, they used to have the priest who used to go in and offer up sacrifices for everybody's sins. But the scripture says that they had to do that like every year. You know why? Because those, that, that blood from those animals didn't cover the, it didn't wipe it away. It just covered the sins up. So because an animal is not the one that sinned on the beginning, a man had to die for a man's sin. And that's why Jesus Christ was necessary. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it shows us here what happened. It says, for he is our peace who has made both one, and he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. In other words, when Jesus died, there was a wall of partition between God and mankind. And Jesus said, you know what? The only way that wall is going to come down is if I die for the sins of the world. How many know that's a heavy burden right there? Because had God took a poll and said, let's say I was living back then. He says, okay, I'm just taking a poll. Evan, would you like to die for the sins of the world? No. <laughs> Evan, step to the side. Peter, would you like, no, Peter, you've already sinned. You can't either do it. You step to the side. Only a person who had a perfect life was qualified to die for the sins of men. Amen. And so here, if you read now uh, in Mark 15, 37, you have to go there. But it says now when Jesus died, the Bible says that the veil of the temple that was inside the temple, it tore from the top down to the bottom, which represented God tearing the temple. I mean, the, the, the veil. So it ain't like somebody got on a ladder and tore it. No, God tore it because he says now the sacrifice has been made. Now I am putting mankind in position to receive my voice, to understand who I am because now the, the veil has been torn. And here's what I love. When the veil got torn, there are some things that happened for us. Here's number one, what happened to us. When Jesus died for us, it caused my sin account to be paid in full. Now, quickly go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. See, some people pray for the same sins to be forgiven over and over and over again. But I want you to know that once you ask God to forgive you for your sin, it's forgiven. But most of all, I want you to see that sin was a state that Adam had. And when we accept Christ, it takes us out of that state and it puts us in the state of righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 10, look in verse 11. It says here, and every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. It's talking about in the Old Testament. When somebody was sinned, they'd have to go in there and offer up sacrifices and offer up blood. He said they had to do this daily. Now look in verse 12. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. 
one sacrifice for sins for how long? Forever. He sat down on the right hand of God. When Jesus Christ died, he paid my sin debt in full. Now, see, that's important because some of us think that we have to now go and ask, you know, uh, we have to, Jesus gets us saved. We think we have to now work for our salvation to stay saved the rest of the time. And I know this is going to contradict a lot of you all's upbringing because many of you all have came up for salvation 10 times. How many got saved more than once growing up? Let me see your hand. You just went up there, you know, you prayed that prayer. Every Sunday, you just making sure you pray that prayer because you, I ain't going to hell, so I'm going to pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I mean, they was like, were you just down here last week? But see, what you fail to understand is once he took you out of darkness and placed you in the light, you had a spiritual transfer that took place. You got born again. And watch this. Just like Nicodemus say, can a man naturally go back in and come back out? The answer to that question is no. Well, can a person spiritually, after they get saved, get saved and then go back again? Listen, they may go back in their minds, but they have spiritually been transferred over. When I discovered that years ago, I was sitting in church. I'll never forget. And this revelation came that, man, I'm saved. I'm saved, not by works. That's any man should most. I'm saved. When I thought of that, the first thing I thought about was, man, I can start back smoking weed again. <laughs> uh, I'm just being honest. That was my first thought. <laughs> See, some of y'all woke up on that one. <laughs> what, I can't? No, I didn't say you could. I'm saying that was my thought. Let me tell you the second thought that came to me. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So now my understanding shifted from now I'm doing this because I have to, but now I'm doing it because I want to. Big difference. Paul said, all things are lawful unto me. He said, but all things are not expedient. Even though I can get away by doing it, doesn't mean it's good for me to do. Amen. So guess what? My spiritual sin account got erased and paid in full. I got a fresh new start as a new creation. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. I become a new person on the inside. And even though I don't act like it on the outside, doesn't mean the change hasn't taken place on the inside. What I have to do now is line my mind up with this man on the inside. Because when you got saved, your mind didn't. Your mind did your minds, how many still remember stuff you used to do before you were saved? Yeah, you're still going to remember it at times. Why? Because your mind needs to be renewed for God's way of doing things. But here's the other thing that happened. We became a part of a royal family. See, some of us wouldn't do some of the things we do if we understood that, hey, I'm above that. Not because I'm better than you, but because of the family that I'm in. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who's the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. 
Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a king and a priest. I have royal blood running through my veins. See, my old sinful blood ain't running no more. The blood of Jesus is what's flowing. So when I get to heaven and and he said, Evan, why should I let you in? I'm not going to say because I preached or I was a pastor. I'm going to say because Jesus paid my sin account in full. I'm going to say, go get him. Go get him, Jesus. You know. I need you. They got me at the gate. Let me in. You can't get in just because of your works. You got to get in because of his works. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 6 says that we have been accepted in the beloved. In other words, once you get saved, you receive Christ as your personal savior. You, you and I are totally accepted by God with no strings attached. When other people don't love us like we should, like they should unconditionally, God does. Let me show you how strong and how powerful God's love is real quick. God's love is so powerful that when you were not a Christian, when you were not saved, when Jesus was not in your life, do you know God's love for you did not change from that to when you did let Jesus Christ in your heart? His love didn't change because if God's love, let's say, for instance, you're not saved over here. If he starts loving you more over here, his love is unconditional and he's not an unconditional. His love is conditional and God is an unconditional loving God. So that's why people say, well, if God is love, why do people go to hell? Because he loves them so much to allow them to make their own choices. Boy, that's serious right there. What else? Go to Ephesians as we close. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let me show you this real quick. Ephesians 1. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And it's his job to lead us and guide us into all truth. When you've been sealed and you got sealed by the Holy Spirit, he sealed you. If he sealed you, you can't unseal yourself. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. Ephesians 1.13. If you're there, say, I'm there. It says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, read it with me, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now watch how long you've been sealed, verse 14. Which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. He says, you are sealed until I call you back. Now go to Ephesians very quickly, chapter 4. Let me show you this again. Ephesians 4, look in verse 30. It says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you have been sealed until the day of redemption. You and I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So I don't have to wonder when I wake up in the morning, am I saved or not? What you need to be wondering is, am I going to act saved? How many have kids? How many sometimes your kids don't act like you raised them how you raise them? How many? I mean, that, I, I didn't. I, what? Boy, you know better than that. 
Well, God got some bad kids too. Come on now, how many have done something that you know wasn't right? That's all? Okay, let me ask that question again. How many has ever done anything wrong, even if it's just stealing a grape from the grocery store while you were shopping that you didn't pay for? Maybe that pencil or pen you took from the office and you didn't take it back. How many have ever done anything wrong in your life? Let me see. Praise the Lord. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I love that. Because now, since I'm sealed, I don't have to worry about being unsealed. And then on top of that, he has my permission to guide me now. So when I need my purpose, when I need to know where I'm going, John 16, 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatever he hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Here's one last thing as we close. The devil and the kingdom of darkness no longer has power over us once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Now, turn to Colossians. Just keep going. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go to chapter 1. Let me show you this about the devil. Because, you know, the devil don't have the power you think he has. Colossians chapter 1. Did I say 1? Yeah. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 12. Look at this very quickly. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the saints in the light. Who has delivered us? Who has delivered us? Who past tense has delivered us from what? From the power of what? Darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Listen, when you accepted Christ, God delivered you from the power of darkness. So listen, we can't say what Flip Wilson used to say years ago. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't because he has no more power over me no more. Now I can open the door. And obey his voice. Y'all know what that, that means? That means that, you know, there are, two, there are two voices inside. You have, the, you have the, the flesh and you have the spirit. And the flesh is the person that wants to act like the old you. That's the one when somebody flips you the bird. You have a choice when you're driving. What do I do? Let me just say this. Your old man who needs to die every day, every second, every minute, that old man's going to say, flipping an eagle. And the Holy Spirit's going to be like, don't do that. Don't do that. You know why? Because his job is to make sure we know that we have been delivered from darkness. We have escaped the jaws of eternal death and we are guaranteed eternal life. Listen, those people whose names we put on the cross, we're going to pray for them. You know why? Because once they're in, they're in. And I think there are some people today, you really don't believe you are 100% saved. And I think you know why you don't? Either it's because you're not or you didn't understand that when you got saved, he saved you. Let me tell you something. If he has the power to save you, 
He has the power to keep you saved. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed right here, there may be some people in the room that are not 100% sure.